Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to Beyond the Racetrack. I am Molly Joe Rosen alongside some amazing friends on the Believe Network, the number one podcast platform for professionals. It's the most wonderful time of the year. No, not Christmas, but Derby. Yeah, it feels weird to be saying that as we head into Labor Day weekend, but hey, really nothing about 2020 feels normal. So as my grandpa Dave used to say at the start of Family Seder, why is this night different than any other? Half the fun of handicapping big day cards is doing it with friends. For years, I've been super lucky to do this with Steve Bortstein on his radio show, and y'all have been able to hear our thoughts and theories. However, that wasn't an option this year, so I'm lucky to have this show to keep the tradition alive. It's never just about the horses with Steve and I, so this could wind up a very entertaining few minutes that will hopefully... I say hopefully, help you handicap the race a bit. We'll talk Derby, obviously, but also the Oaks and some of the other big races, and he'll definitely share some of his best bets for the weekend. Post time for both Friday and Saturday at Churchill Downs is 11 a.m. Eastern. The Oaks is slated to go at 5.45 p.m. on Friday, the Derby at 7.01 on Saturday. Both races will be carried live on NBC. For those wagering, there is the usual Oaks Derby Double and Oaks Turf Classic Derby Pick 3. There will also be four 50-cent Pick 5s, and for the first time, Superfectas will be a 10-cent minimum. Yay! And there's a new two-day Pick 6 with the stakes that starts with the Ali Sheba, a.k.a. Friday's 10th. Also, for fans of the jackpot-style wagers, there is a 20-cent minimum Pick 6 that has a mandatory payout on Saturday. Before we get rolling on the show, no matter how you found us, and I'm certainly glad you did, thank you in advance for liking and subscribing and commenting and sharing and whatever else you can do from whatever podcast platform you found us on. Plus, you can join the conversation and tell us what you want to know and who you want to hear from at beyondtheracetrack.com. Now, let's load into the gate and get to talking ponies. Sports are back and you can take full advantage by getting in on the action with hundreds of odds and futures and prop bets with our friends at betonline.ag. There's also all the games to be played in the casino. It never closes. You know, it's Derby weekend and BetOnline has some cool contests that are totally free to enter if you have an account. I've already made my picks in both the Derby props and the Derby first last contests. The props one is 10 questions that could net you 10K. I think my favorite question is the last one. Will everyone on the podium be wearing a mask? Go sign up and you too can have all the fun. My handle for the contests is Focus Philly. Tell me on Twitter what's yours. Head on over to betonline.ag today and sign up to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. It's a 50% match on sports and a 100% match on the casino, and you can even make it in Bitcoin. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Remember to wager responsibly. As we do with all our guests, two questions right off the top. We all have origin stories, and I happen to really love yours. Care to share with the rest of the folks how you got in this crazy game? Gosh, started, well, 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 Molly, it started a long time ago. No, <laughs> no, um, I got into this business because of my family. My father was a prolific sports writer from the time before I was even a, a glimmer in his eye. Uh, my father had written several sports books. He was the best-selling author of After Olympic Glory. He wrote about basketball, baseball, football, et cetera. Uh, when I was a child, we moved to Colorado where my father became the public relations director of Old Centennial Downs Turf Club and uh, back wow. in Colorado back in the day. Uh, he, was the, he was the PR director there for about six, seven years uh, before it eventually shut down in the, mid, in the early 80s, at which point my father then became the assistant public relations director at a little place called Santa Anita out in, Los, out in Arcadia, a, California. Small racetrack, a little bit of history. Tiny little place. No one's ever heard of it, yeah. Um, that was where 
I discovered basically everything. I, I discovered everything about life. I discovered Clocker's Corner. I discovered that it was easy to leave campus at Monrovia High School and just walk over to the racetrack in the middle of the afternoon. Uh, not that I ever did that. Not that I would ever encourage never. anyone. <clears throat> never, 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 no. Never, never, not a chance. Uh, but that's where I got, and I, that's where I got my first job in horse racing, covering racing for the Pasadena Star News, and uh, did that for several years. Then became racing editor at the South Bay Daily Breeze out in Torrance. Uh, then began a radio show, which that was the oddest thing ever, called the Fast Track, a show that has been on and off the air with several luminary guests, uh, including the likes of yourself, Molly, for the better part now of more than 20 years. And, wow. Uh, uh, we're hoping that we'll be able to get the show back at some point in time, and we'll yes. get to that story here in a second. But that's sort of my origin of the business. Yes, I and love I hope it. Forgive me to the listeners. I hope you'll forgive me. I'm going to be smoking throughout this show. There's no way that Molly Joe and I get through an hour of this without me smoking. If it bothers you, vote. I don't know. Do something <laughs> that you know won't that won't let that won't let people do that. So there you go. Just so you know. <laughs> The good news is it's it's audio only, so, you know. Just imagine an angry middle-aged guy sitting in, his, sitting in his apartment, not caring what you think if he smokes. So there you go. Enjoy the next hour. Why, when people ask my favorite credential on my resume, it's the Fast Track, <laughs> cast member on the Fast Track for a couple of years, that. Um, I know your history in the game, and you you gave us a little bit of it already, but, and, and you were my first call when I got the gig at Sunland because you know the New Mexico circuit in particular better than most, and, and one of the two questions I always ask when, when folks come on this show is, where do you see the racing industry now, and where do you think it should be headed? You and I have had this conversation before, and it's, it's a lot of, the main argument I keep hearing is that racing is dying because it doesn't get enough press coverage. Well, I would argue that that's not the responsibility of the press to cover the sport. It's the yeah. responsibility of the people who work at the racetrack to promote their sport better. Yeah. Um, I can't, I, if, I, if I'm running a business and nobody knows about my business, that's not the fault of the, of the newspapers, the television stations, the radio stations, because they don't know about your business. It's your fault because you're not doing a good enough job promoting your sport. That's the problem we've had. And yeah. we, I see that problem a lot here in the state of New Mexico is racing is almost seen as an afterthought or an obligation in order to keep casinos going. Yeah. And that's a problem in a number of states. And I know you've experienced that on a professional level as well. Racing is seen as an afterthought. It's seen as an obligation. It's seen as, oh, well, we have to have live racing because we want to keep our casinos open. If that's the way you want to approach this business, then you need to get the hell out of this business because racing doesn't need that. Um, you know, and, and that's always been my major issue with the sport, how I've seen it. What, what I think would be great for this weekend in particular, because it's ironic that we're talking about the Oaks on Friday, the Derby on Saturday, because here in the state of New Mexico, Labor Day weekend is an enormous weekend anyway. Right. We've got the All-American Derby on Sunday. We've got the All-American Futurity on Monday, which are the two most prestigious races in quarter horse racing. Right. It's gotten barely a mention. Does no one, no one in this state is even talking about it. I've I lived in New Mexico for 20 years. I'll admit, yeah. when you mentioned it, you and I chatted a little bit before the show, and you mentioned it, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm so embarrassed. I used to, to to work on the quarter show at TVG. Like that was we lived for for the All American. Like, how did we as an industry drop the ball so bad on doing some sort of Oaks Derby, you know, Derby Futurity thing? Like, I mean, I know thoroughbreds and quarters don't always get along, but you know, not everybody can be like Woodbine where they do a really good job of of commingling their their thoroughbred. The thoroughbred and the harness, right? But like, right. how did we? That's not a conversation, right? We have. I mean, there has not been an inch of press coverage Jesus. for the All American Derby or the All American Futurity. I live in the state where the two richest races in quarter horse racing in the world take place, and there has right. not been an ounce of coverage. Now, don't get me wrong; that wouldn't that would have been the case during this time of year anyway. College yeah. football would be going on right yeah. now. We'd be in the middle of the August, you know, regular season of baseball. So we'd have those things. Now you've got this crazy schedule and now you've got the NBA and NHL playoffs going on right now. My beloved Dodgers, the best team in baseball. So I don't really care that I'm missing out on horse racing coverage, but you know, uh, I have other obligations, but it's, it's just an odd time. And 
And to that end, like, how many times have you caught yourself saying first Saturday in September? That oh, I know. We're, we're going to talk about time. that. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Like, it's, yeah. I mean, the alliteration is nice, but it, it feels crazy. It and doesn't I, work. It, 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 no, no. Like so many other things this year, it's the new normal just doesn't, doesn't feel right. Obviously, nothing about 2020 is as it was supposed to be, and to call this year's Derby Trail a circus feels like a mild understatement. It's easy to judge talent in races. That's what we analysts are literally paid to do. But what do you do when the usual things we've come to rely on over the years, set schedules on each circuit, the points leaderboard, and so on, how do you even begin to wrap your head around who all's in the gate this year? You you, you don't. And I think, I, I think that was one of the things that, was kind of overblown was leaderboards and you know the current derby trail because the current derby trail doesn't exist right as far as i'm concerned so to me i treat this as i've always treated the derby i've always treated it as just another horse race we we overanalyze we overthink it we put so many variables onto it look it's another horse race at the end of the day it just yeah. happens to be run at a different time so to me how we got here it was was awkward. It, look, the day the day that they decided to run the Belmont in a mile and an eighth, nothing was normal at that point. <laughs> Everything was off the table at that point. Okay, the minute they decided to run the, the Belmont in May and they decided to run it, you know, at a mile and an eighth, it was like, okay, so we're just going to take everything we know about horse racing in the year 2020. We're going to set it on fire and we're just going to start over. So that's right. where I think we're at now. My question to you is this: if We'll get to the race itself here in a second. If we have a triple crown winner, which of course would be Tis the Law, yeah. does it get an asterisk by it? I think you have to have an asterisk by everybody this year. Like it doesn't, I think every single race this year, big, small, I mean, not your, not your, you know, five claimer on a Sunday. I know, claiming races, yeah. But right. I think all of your, your big ticket stakes races, and that's true, Phillies, I, I think maybe, I mean, short of races that, like, the Pacific Classic, which I think they ran on what would have still been Pacific Classic Day pretty much, but, like... Right, and the and, Breeders' Cup, which and is, the Breeders which Cup is and, to go on time. I'm trying to think of, like, and the Travers, like, I mean, those races, but things where we made concessions. I mean, dear Lord, you know, you talk about the Belmont being at a mile length. The Met Mile ran for, I don't even think, a purse of $400,000. Like, right. I mean, when when you're making and 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 kudos to Naira and everybody else who even tried to run a, a revised schedule. I know everybody took a lot of heat for it. I think it was a, I think it was a, a good move personally. I, I, you know, do what you can to stay alive. I'm here for it. Um, but I I really think that those races and I think the Derby this year. You know, we came off kind of an asterisk last year anyway, and, and we'll talk about that in a sec. Because I have a question for you about something on 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 kind of a, a jockey angle on on that. Um, but I think this whole year, especially the, the three-year-old circuit, I think the three-year-old races definitely all all have an asterisk on it. Uh, you know, every I year- I think that applies to all, and I think it applies, I'm sorry to interrupt, yeah, I no. think it applies to all sports. Yeah. NBA finals, all yeah. of it. Uh, yeah. NHL, um, World Series, they're all gonna have an asterisk next to them, which will be ironic if there's an asterisk next to the 2020 Los Angeles Dodgers, especially if they beat the Houston Astros in the World Series, because I'll wear that asterisk proudly so long as the Astros admit that they deserve an asterisk for 2017. No, I have not forgotten. I'm still upset. I'm still bothered by it. I will take that to my grave. Sorry. As you should. No, I, I feel like you're going to get like a tattoo of, of if, if the Dodgers win the World Series this year, I feel like you're going to get a tattoo on that and it'll have a little asterisk on it. It'll be adorable. Every year, we all wind up getting suckered into talking about the wise guy horse. And you and I have had this argument every year about whether or not a wise guy horse deserves to even be talked about. This year, I think, if I'm understanding it correctly from the chatter, and I think it has been pretty much set all the way through, uh, that, that it's King Guillermo. I, I can't really knock how he's trained personally. The videos I've seen, he's all looked, he's looked really good in every single one of them. But he ain't raced in four months. And if we're going to talk about asterisks, this is a big one for me. He ran well in the Arc Derby, and Juan Avila literally loaded him on a van and bunkered down under the spires the day after what was meant to be the original Kentucky Derby Day in May. I'm all for unconventional. We've seen how it's worked well over the years with the likes of a Fleet Alex and Orb and a host of other ponies. But when in your life has, let me take the horse who, is tra who trained up to the Derby off a four-month layoff, 
ever sounded like a good bet. It let's let, let's look at the normal calendar. If this <laughs> were the first Saturday in May, we'd be talking about a horse that hadn't run since what the Holy Bull Stakes at, at Gulfstream. Thank you. Yeah, I mean that would be that it would, it would be making that argument. So essentially, that's how I look at King Guillermo, who was one of my early throwouts. I don't think of him as a I don't think of him as a as a, as a horse to be talking about. The horse that I thought would get a lot more attention for obvious reasons is Thousand Words. Right. What did he do wrong in coming up to the race? He's done absolutely nothing wrong. The second place finish in the Los Alamitos Derby, the win, which I thought was a legitimate win in, in the in the shared belief stakes at Del yeah. Mar last time out. Like to me, and again, the fact that we're talking about a quote, you know, steam horse or whatever, and it happens to be trained by Bob Baffert is pretty out is pretty outrageous. But I mean, that's a horse to me who I think should be getting a lot more attention than he does. Um, but it, it's like this is this goes back to we're, we're creating stories when my bigger story to me was how ironic is it that all three favorites are essentially drawn a of the auxiliary gate and all on the on the far outside. That right. to me is the bigger story is, you know, race tactics because of that right there. Um, you know, so that that's the storyline that we'll get into a little bit. Um, as far as other horses that, you know, should be getting, you know, a little bit more recognition or at least should be getting some talk about, why not Enforceable? Enforceable's right. a horse who I thought was kind of interesting. Mark Cassie, uh, the fourth place finisher. I know he hasn't won in a while, but again, we're throwing things kind of off the table right now. But he came into 2020 before everything went to hell in a handbasket. He kind of came into 2020 pretty decent. I liked his win in the Lacombe Stakes. Yeah, he's had a couple of dull races since then. Art Collector beat him. Swiss Sky Diver beat him in the uh, Bluegrass Stakes last time out. But he's got that off-the-pace running style. There figures to be a lot of speed in the race. I don't know that he can't go this distance. Certainly, you know, he's got the pedigree. He's got all the things you want there. He certainly has the pedigree. Personally, not a humongous fan of tap. It's going a mile and a quarter, but, you know, that's just me. I would love to see Mark Cassie get his his Derby win. Um, I would like, you know, we talk about asterisks. I, you know, Mark Cassie will win a Kentucky Derby or several in his career. Uh, I would like to see him have one, you know, without the asterisk on it, but that's that's okay. I think he's a phenomenal trainer. You know, you mentioned the aux the auxiliary gate. This is the first year where Churchill bought that super fancy one of a kind, you know, twenty horse gate. There is no longer the the gap between the the was it the thirteen and fourteen or the fourteen and fifteen. Um, right. I, you know, so it'll be interesting to see how, you know, all of the things that we all are used to, you know, who's going to break a little bit to the inside because they have that space between the, you know, all of those things are, are out the window. I know that Barkley Tag got asked among the many things Barkley Tag has been asked this weekend, this week. Uh, I know that Barkley got asked, you know, no horse has won from the 17. How do you think about it with his, the law? You know, what do you think? You know, and his, his answer on that question was pretty good, which is basically trends are made to be broken, is paraphrasing that politely. Um, you know, so I, I think, I don't know, this year is just weird. Oh, this, that's the understatement of the show. This, <laughs> this year is just weird. I'm sitting here talking to you from my home right now. Um, I, I'm sitting here talking to you, you know, not, not near a racetrack. I haven't been to a racetrack since, you know, the beginning of time practically, it seems like. And we're talking about a race that is normally run on the first Saturday of May. It's being run the first Saturday of September. So, no, nothing about this is normal. And I, but I think that, I think that's the beauty of it is that it all managed to still come together. Right. You know, the fact that the fact that the folks at Churchill Downs and how weird is it going to feel watching it on TV, much less being at the track itself? How weird is it going to look on television when the horses are turning for home and there's not a single fan in the stands? There's not well, a single per there's not a single drunk person falling down between porta potties in the infield. There's not a single there, there's not a there, there, yeah, there's none of those things. Like watch I was watching a golf tournament a week ago. It was this dramatic, you know, sudden death overtime right. finish. And I don't have that I don't have that one guy screaming mashed potatoes or getting the hole and off the tee, you know, because Tiger Woods is nine shots back, but the entire gallery has to follow him because he's Tiger Woods. You know, we don't we don't have any of those things right now. You know what? You know what the worst thing about sports has been, but it's also been the best thing has been no fans in stands, because you get to hear baseball players because when they ground into that inning-ending double play, right. especially when it's Jock Peterson of the Dodgers or Max Muncie of the Dodgers, <laughs> they curse, and you can hear it really loudly when there's no fans in the stands. Jock Peterson is a trash-talking guy, uh, and I love it because when he hits into an inning-ending double play. You know how frustrated he is now. And, why, and wouldn't it be great if Churchill Downs could at least pipe in crowd noise? 
Like, right. are we going to do that? Is Churchill Downs at least going to pipe in noise? Because otherwise, it's going to sound like crickets. It is. And, and that's actually one thing that, that's interesting to me. Um, you know, how the quarantine rules have affected, you know, not only uh, fans, but, you know, a bunch of the big name jocks have stayed on their home circuit because of the, the you know, the, the rule that Churchill made yes. that they had to be in like two weeks ago. And it's giving jocks like Sammy Camacho and Adam Beshezza and Luca Panini a chance to dance in the big dance for the first time. I think, I don't, I'm, I'm guessing this is Sammy's first ride. I know for a fact it's the other two's. Uh, even though it's not a full 20 horse field in front of 115,000 people, it's still the Kentucky Derby. How do you handicap around, for or around, what could wind up being a big jockey error? Because when's the last time any of these guys, and, I, and I'll, I'll throw in, you know, any of the other guys, you know, Johnny V and Joe Talamo and, and, and Julian even, when's the last time any of these guys rode against a field this big? I mean, this is still, you know, I'm, I think we're still going to see a field of 18 horses. You know, we're all still recovering from Saez not being able to keep maximum security straight, you know, at the quarter pole last year. What's to say that's not going to happen this year? Right. And what's going to say, and, and, you know, is there a greater sense of pressure on stewards? And I hate to bring that up because right. okay, since you since you brought up the elephant in the room in last year's Kentucky Derby, is there a, is there a greater pressure on stewards? Because look, they they were under enormous pressure from a live crowd at Churchill Downs right. last year. No matter what decision they were going to make, they were going to be under enormous scrutiny. Right. That scrutiny's not there now because there's not going to be there's not going to be teams of people waiting for the stewards to come down the elevator at the end of the day. Right. There's not going to be a single person there. There's going to be a, there's going to be a couple of dozen reporters, but that's not the same thing. So right. I, I think those are all legitimate questions. I think for a number of jockeys that you mentioned who have not been in this position before, you know, um, you know, this is you know, it's 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 a thrill of a lifetime to have your first Derby mount, right. but now you're doing it in these incredibly weird, different circumstances. So I think I think the enormity of it all. Is both heightened and lessened a little bit, which of course makes everything awkward. It's like right. the, it's like the closer on a baseball team comes yeah. in in the ninth inning to the fanfare and the music and the noise. If he's at his home stadium, if he's, he's at a visiting stadium, he comes into the booze and the raucous cheers against him. Same difference, you know. Okay, he's yeah. still coming into a close situation, but he doesn't have that fanfare. He doesn't have the Trevor Hoffman hell's bells playing in the background. He doesn't have those things. So there's a difference to that. So I, I think all of these things are are still emotions that are going to play itself out. You know, they're still going to play my old Kentucky home. I imagine it's still going to be the fanfare of that. But yeah. it's just going to feel awkward. It's Everything about this is going to feel awkward. When you come out of that tunnel, you're that jockey. You come out of that tunnel, yeah. and there's not a single person – there's not a single drunk person cheering for you. They don't always have to be drunk. Let's, let's clarify. They, the race – has a drink named after it for crying out loud. The race has a drink that is celebrated by a cheesy, cheap, bad bit of liquor. Okay, come on. I will say. <laughs> and, and, and to me, this goes back to an earlier question you asked about how we handicap and how we view it, how we look at it. Once the horses are on the track, all this conversation comes to an end. All right. Of it. Right. Then it's just a race. Then it's just another race on another day at another racetrack, you know? Right. And that's that's where all the over uh, over analysis and overthinking of it goes out the window. Absolutely. And and let's talk about ponies a, a little bit more. You know, I've made a fairly big deal out of the fact that the schedule shift allowed horses who would never have been mentally, let alone physically, ready for the first Saturday in May to be in the Derby Gate. I happen to actually like it because it gives us a chance to talk about horses we wouldn't normally be talking about. Uh, but it also feels sort of weird. Like, Authentic might have made it, though I think he needed the time to grow up. And, and I actually had a whole spiel about Art Collector ready to roll on the subject, but he's unfortunately right. not running. Um, but, and actually, Cheryl Spite, oh, God, a horse making his third career start. I would have been so happy to be having that convo, speaking of mares that I, I loved. Um, but, you know, you look at a horse like Money Moves for Todd Pletcher. Dude's got three career starts. Since February. Granted, he's a neck away from being undefeated. Granted, we've seen something like this already with Justify. I am by no means claiming that Money Moves and Justify are even remotely in the same stratosphere. But still, three starts since February for a derby horse, like you said, you know, with King Guillermo, that would be the equivalent of talking like, you know, the holy bull to the Kentucky Derby layoff-wise. Three starts since February, even if we were doing this thing in May, feels weird. 
Um, how do you gauge that against a horse like your reigning juvenile champ in Storm the Court, who debuted on my birthday a year ago last August and has had a, a whole bunch of starts? Forget that his form isn't the greatest. How do you, as a handicapper, look at a, a horse who has three starts and a horse who has a whole lot more? You brought it up a moment ago when you talked about the maturity of a racing thoroughbred, because we've seen it, that the horse that's really not so hot in January or February of a three-year-old campaign suddenly comes on the second half of the season in a normal year and suddenly turns into the second coming. And yeah. so you mentioned money moves. Candy Ride himself was one of those horses. Early yeah. on, he was not of the very prolific racehorse. He didn't get really good till his four-year-old, five-year-old campaign. I almost think it's an advantage that he's had only limited racing opportunities. We would be, if this, if the Derby were being run at a regular time, we know that Todd Fletcher never would have gotten money moves into the Kentucky Derby. He only had his second start on March 27. Yeah. But now you gave Fletcher three months to kind of get this horse mentally sound, emotionally sound, in addition to being physically sound. Look, the second place finish, he just lost in that optional claiming at Saratoga. I don't know that that's not a, a legitimately good race. We don't right. know that. We don't and know as far as that's concerned. And just, I mean, when again, when again, have we talked about a Todd Fletcher thirty to one shot <laughs> in a Kentucky Derby, right? So <laughs> I, I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's beyond the realm here to talk about the horse with just three starts. And again, he's not justified. No, but this is not a justified year. So yeah. money moves to me. Look, once the layoff happened, I can't imagine that that conversation didn't take place with the owners and the people behind Money Moose because we know what we're doing. We can just sit back and wait. Yeah. And because we know this horse is going to mentally pick it up as the year progresses, we don't have to overtax him. We don't have to overrace him to get him to that point. We don't have to go through the Derby Trail. We don't have to go through the prelims. We can just sit back and wait our time, let the horse become more mature physically, more mature, more mature mentally, emotionally, blah, 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 so that if the first Saturday in September rolls around, hey, we've now got a legitimate Derby horse that nobody knows about. Absolutely. I, I think it's brilliant. You know, you talked about the 30 to 1 Todd Pletcher thing feeling weird. Um, and just in general, you know, in the Derby. And, and it definitely like offends my soul to even think that thought just in general. I just, it feels so just awkward to say, you know, when the morning line came out and tis the law was three to five. I mean, I know it's the Derby. <laughs> I, know, I know this horse lays over this field, you know, at least in, in theory, you know, I'm, you know, God only knows what happens when they open the starting gate. It's why we run the races, but you know, three to five for a Derby morning line favorite felt really yeah. low to me and i know i mean i've had this conversation with a couple of folks this week and everyone's like yeah but it fits and like in any like like you said you know if it's just another horse race he would be three to, and i'm like but three to five for a derby morning line feels really low it does it does and i think again this is based on you know okay other horses are coming out of you know races we have a few horses in here that are coming out of a bluegrass that was run in july we got horses that yeah. are coming out of optional claiming races in july we've got a horse that's coming out of the the ellis park derby which was run in which was run in august we got horses that are coming out of you know the shared belief stakes all of which were races that are normally run after the kentucky derby so when you look at tis the law's resume we mentioned the holy bull ironically enough okay winner of that winner of the florida derby god I okay so won the holy bull yeah. What would the winner of the Florida Derby and the Holy Bowl and two other stakes races, two grade one prep races, yeah. what would that horse be? Forget that it's Tis the Law. Forget that it's the first Saturday in September. What would the what would a, what would a four-time stakes winner leading up to a derby in May be in a, in a normal derby field? What would he be? Right. A multiple grade one prep stakes. He would be two to one. He would be three yeah. to one. That's the, two to two to one is where my head went. Yeah, right. So three to five. Yeah, it seems outlandish to us because we've been doing this for so long and we're so accustomed to you know being the cynics and being the over analysts of these things. But if you're looking at a horse who has three consecutive back to back to back grade one prep prep wins yeah. leading up to the Kentucky Derby, the Florida Derby, the Belmont, which we would then, which we would have assumed would have been some other stakes race at Belmont leading up to the Kentucky Derby. It would have been some other stakes race. At, at, yeah, at, it, would have been, it would have been like the Gotham and it would have been. Florida Derby, Wood Memorial and some other stakes race. The, the yeah, Gotham and the Wood. He would, yeah, he would have been. Yeah. You know, speaking of, of, training patterns and, and race patterns and, and horses coming into the into this 
you know, with, with something different than we're used to seeing. Uh, let's go a little bit to the inside of Tis the Law with the 12 Solo Valente. Um, a horse who kind of like Storm the Court, I'm still surprised is running in this. Not that they don't belong, not that they're not talented, not that they don't fit, because, you know, as I said, you know, you can't win if you ain't in the gate. But Solo Volante through, I think I could have outrun him in the Belmont, given how he ran. And, you know, this is a horse who didn't train for, I think, almost a month after and, you know, has had some okay works. I mean, he threw that that bullet last week in, in 57 and 4 at, at Palmetto's for, for being cone. But, you know, this is a horse who trained kind of slow and steady off of it. And, you know, this is a horse I'm still surprised has even shown up here, to, to be honest. And it doesn't mean that he can't win. doesn't mean he won't run well. I think he's a horse you have to use given throw out the Belmont. You know, he's run some decent races. But what do you do with a horse like that who, like, took all that time off and yet shows up here? Okay, so he's the opposite of what we talked about earlier um, with the horse that, that had only the three starts, right? Mm -hmm. He's the opposite of Money Moves. To me, he's the horse that got hot in the beginning of the year, yeah. winner of the season, gave us the second place finish in the Tampa Bay Derby, and then poof, he just disappears off the radar. Maybe he's not, maybe he, maybe he, you know, that was his limit. Okay, yeah. the mile and the 16th was his limit, and so he goes the other direction. That explains the dull effort in June in the Belmont Stakes. Again, let's 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 take take the Belmont Stakes name, name out of that. Of yeah, that's, totally. That's a prep, you know, because that's what we do is that we attach that name recognition to it. Yeah, he's it's it's just it was that that's his Wood Memorial. He yeah. ran bad, and so he's coming into the race bad. Then you mentioned the month off between works, the slow works leading up to it. Again, to me, that's just an obvious throwout to me. And again, I'm not, you know, I'm going to sit here and say he's the obvious throwout, watch him win by 10. But, <laughs> you know, it's one or the other. But I, I think if we're, if we're not going to overanalyze things, throw out the name Belmont Stakes. That's, this yeah. was not the Belmont Stakes as we've come to know and love it. This was the Wood Memorial. This was his last prep. He came out of that prep bad. Go with that instinct. I think it, I, I love that. And it's a point that I haven't heard enough people make this week. I love that so darn much. Um, talk to me about pace. How do you see, obviously they're going to break out of the fancy new gate. They're going to go under the wire the first time around. Who do you see having the lead at, at the top of the turn uh, going, going into the first turn? Authentic because they have to use him. I mean, there's no choice. It's not the best post position for authentic because he has to go to the lead. Uh, if he ha if he wants to have any chance here now, th then the question becomes: Okay, if you're if you're Emmanuel Franco, if you're Mike Smith, how far back do you tuck in? Because you got to get close to that rail by yeah. some point. You got to get close to it, or otherwise you're going to be eight nine wide going into that first turn. You don't want to be out there. So how much authentic gets used up going into that first turn? How much does Emmanuel Franco able to get closer to the rail? How much will Mike Smith be able to take back with Honor AP? Because none of the other horses to the immediate inside, maybe maybe New York traffic has a little bit of early speed, so he's going to be a factor there. But other than that, then you go a little bit further inside. Winning impressions, got no speed whatsoever. Attachment rate, eh, whatever, not much. Solo Volante, again, you know, you could outrun him in the first turn, although I've watched you run, and that's not a pretty sight. So, especially in heels on Breeders' Cup weekend, watching you try and run across the hall to catch up to you, yeah, no, no. I don't ever want to see that ever again. They so were the six-inch heels, and I did get the quote from Asmussen, so I do get a dollar for that. You get a, you get a brownie point for that, but still, it's an image that is just going to be burned in my soul forever. Um but the pace of the race is going to be very interesting because John Velasquez is in a no-win situation. He's on a horse he's never been on except for workouts in Authentic. He's never yeah. been on him before. Mike Smith got off him to get on, obviously, on her AP. So what is so what are the tactics from that far outside post other than to go out there and hope and pray that you're going to get a legitimate run into that turn without being carried five, six wide going into that turn? And then how much do you have left late? I'm with you. Do you think King Guillermo has to go too? I'm like looking at, I'm trying to find who else is the other speed in general. And obviously, you know, anything could happen. Is it Money Moves? Is it King Guillermo? I think, I think, I think King Guillermo and Money Moves. And I think Money Moves because he's fresh. Again, yeah. this is only his second race since March. So yeah. I think he's going to be up close. And that's what I think makes him so dangerous in here. And again, I know it's weird to talk about a 30 to one shot as a dangerous horse, but I'm throwing all that stuff out the window right now. Money moves, I think is going to be close to the lead. I think King Guillermo, to your point, again, I thought his win, I mean, I know it's, 
18 years ago, it seems <laughs> like now, in the, in the Tampa Bay Derby. But you, you can't tell me that race wouldn't be legitimate. If this was a normal year, yeah. we would look at King Guillermo as a legitimate player based on that win. Hell, we'd look at him as a legitimate contender after his second place finish behind a doll. In the Arkansas Derby, we look at him that way. Yeah. So I, I think King Guillermo is a player in the race. Um, I'll be interested to see what Cam- what Sammy Camacho does coming out of the gate with him. Do you tuck back a little bit? Because that's the best case scenario. But tucking back also means the possibility of getting shuffled back to 11th or 12th, which right. again, that, that might not work. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see. From what I understand, we're going to have great weather at least. So yeah. the weather shouldn't be a factor. Um, what's the heat going to be like? Is it going to be, you know, these are different weather conditions also than what we're accustomed to on the first Saturday in May. We're not worried about it being 45 degrees or 50 degrees in the storm. No, we're worried about being 102, 90% humidity. And the fact that, thank God, there's no hurricanes rolling up the Eastern seaboard this weekend. Let's talk about horses that we wouldn't normal I don't know I don't want to say wouldn't normally be talking about because we try and we tweet you know you and I have always done a very good job of trying to talk about every single pony in this field year after year I, I I appreciate that because most people just want to talk about the big name horses and don't get me wrong you know I understand it I appreciate it we all love the big name ponies because they're big name ponies um but horses like Finnick the Fierce um I'll throw Max Player in there too I I happen to to like I mean no knock on Linda Rice love her dearly she's a, she's a good horsewoman um, Max Player, since he's moved to Steve, has really looked like he's blossomed. I, I know this horse was doing well with Linda, um, but he, this is the kind of horse when, and I've, I've had the pleasure of seeing Steve Asmussen train horses all over the country. Max Player is a big, rangy, beautiful, long stride and son of a gun, and that's what Steve Asmussen really does well. Uh, and I, I think Max Player has, has really blossomed since moving to Steve a, a few weeks ago. But let's talk about horses like uh, Finnick the Fierce, uh, who was the other one that I was thinking? South Bend is the other horse, and, and Mr. Big News even, uh, and I'll throw Necker Island in there uh, as well. The horses that are, are, forgive me, lesser known, these are long shot horses. Um, you know, a lot of talk will happen when we talk about long shots. West Point Thoroughbreds, Dallas Stewart, winning impression. These are the connections that, you know, commanding curve blew up the boxcar prices a few years ago. Um, you know, there's a horse, you know, with, you know, as, as well, that's, that's coming in um, off of a <clears throat> forgettable couple of races. But talk about some of the, the, the lesser known ponies in here, some of those big priced horses for, for folks who may want to be playing your, your exotics. Okay, so you mentioned two horses in particular, Finnick the Fierce and Mr. Big News. Let's go back a moment to when we were talking about Art Collector. What would you look at, how would you look at Art Collector in this field if he were in this field? He would have been about, they both he would have been, yeah, he would have been about seven to one for me. Okay, so Finnick the Fierce got beat a hundred billion lengths. <laughs> My art collector ten. in the bluegrass. Let me just say the chart callers at Caneland officially called it 10. But yes, 100 right, billion but lengths. But there's 100 billion lengths in the grand scheme of things. And Mr. Big News got beat by the similar amount of 100 billion lengths, which is 10. So if art collector, who in your mind would be 7 to 1 in this race, how what would the prices be on Mr. Big News and Finnick the Fierce? Yeah, 50 to 1 would be 99. So yeah. Okay. So therefore, to me, we have now spent two and a half minutes talking about horses that have no relevance in the race. I love when you can just do that. That's amazing. Thank you. All my, right. My, that's my that's my gift. It's my charm. It's my ability to just you know cut right to the right right to the core and it's just the Will on. McAvoy. Yeah. It's the Will McAvoy in you. We know this. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, all right. Horses that make a little bit more sense. Uh, let's talk about top of the turn into the stretch. Um, I think Honor AP will be right there. I think Thousand Words will be right there. We know tis the law, should everything go right, should be right there. Um, I think New York traffic, personally, no knock on authentic. I just don't see an into mischief baby winning at a mile and a quarter. Um, I think he's a talented horse, but and I think unlike what he did in the Haskell where he kind of lost his train of thought and forgot that he was still running, um, you know, I, I think being in a full field will help him, but I think he will be, I, I, I don't see authentic going much further on the lead than the quarter pole or the eighth pole. Watch, he wins by 10. Um, but horses like, <laughs> we're handicappers, it happens. We're we, self-doubt. Or 100 billion, depending on the Or 100 billion, right. Yeah. I mean, you know, self-doubt is what we handicappers do. We make a really sound, we make a really logical, reasoned argument, and then immediately doubt ourselves. Can't imagine yeah. why we're all in therapy. So, um, 
horses like honor ap tis the law thousand words i think new york traffic will make a run i don't i personally don't see him getting there but i do think he will make a run um who else how do you see this playing out inside the eighth pole um again let's go back to the lightly race horse let's go back to money move let's go back to him for a second i don't know what i don't know that he can't do this none of us do none of us know he can't do this and if if you're asking me who i'm going to trust to know what a horse can do i don't know the name fletcher seems to come to mind about guys who might know what horses can do and especially because javi's on board javier castellano and and todd right. what are they, i i have a jo- i have a, a jock trainer stat don't i god bless the bridge last, last 60 days are 25 percent. that's what i've got in front of me so yeah. oh, I, that's good enough for me i mean right so that, that that's that's good enough for me to, to think that this horse at least has some sort of reasonable chance here um i think i i think tis the law will be prominent in that spot because again, it's not like you're. We were talking about jockeys. Manuel Franco. This isn't some new jockey. This isn't some last second edition. Yeah. He obviously knows what the horse is capable of doing. Um, you know, undefeated this year. He's won his races by open lengths. Forget the names of the races. Forget right. when they were run. When they were supposed to be run. He's a four-time stakes winner this year, and all those races have been won fairly easily. So I think he'll be that prominent one. I agree completely about authentic. I think they're going to use him up too much to have him still be around at the eighth pole. Honor AP, depending on traffic, I think he's definitely one of those ones who will be in there. Money moves, I think, will be in there. And it wouldn't shock me to see King, King Guillermo in there as well. I think wow. he's going to be – I think he'll be in that – I think he'll be in that firing line um, for lack of a better term, when we get to the when we get to the eighth pole, but I think the class at that point then begins to come out here, and that's when I think we'll see Tis the Law start to come away from that field as we get into that final furlong. I, I you and I see this race, and you and I don't usually see races the same way, which is one of my no, favorite. that's an understatement, and it's one of my favorite reasons why I like handicapping with you, and and I remember doing that at Breeders' Cup a few years ago, and that was you know, one of my favorite experiences was, was batting around, you know, race tactics with you because, but I, I really do think you and I see this uh, very, very similarly. You know, one thing that occurred to me about King Guillermo, and I, I don't mean to keep harping on the four-month layoff, and I, I want Avila's a good horseman, and, and Sammy Camacho, another guy who's been around for a long time, I'm pretty sure this is his first derby, but, you know, and Uncle Mo, by the way, God bless Melissa Bauer Herzog and her stats with Coolmore. Um, Uncle Mo has had an insane couple of weeks um stallion as a stallion uh his kids are just winning everything so you know an uncle mo baby you know showing up in in a, in a big race wouldn't surprise anybody but one thing that that the clocker in me one thing about king, king guillermo that's that's irking me is this is a horse that hasn't even worked in company in four months that at least that i've seen and maybe i'm wrong and maybe there's there's you know before we were starting to see videos from churchill maybe this horse was working in company but this is a horse who, other than having gallopers around him, hasn't been next to another horse in four months. Right. Right. And now all of and a sudden he's going to have seventeen friends. And yep. You know, we talk a lot. You know, uh, Carrie Thomas does her dynamics, and I know his report is out now. And I would be very curious to see what he says about King Guillermo. One other horse we haven't mentioned, and connections that have been in the game a long time, especially on the Kentucky circuit. And and I just in part because, A, we want to talk about everybody so that, you know, we can say, well, A, we talked about the winner. But uh, Greg Foley has – hey, come on. You know we do. Uh, Greg Foley has major – Greg Foley has major fed in here with Jimmy Graham up on board, a horse who ran pretty well last time out in the Indiana Derby, tossed the mat win, don't know what went wrong there. Um, he's got a pretty interesting record. Another horse that uh, Greg made the decision uh, after the July race – to just go ahead and train him up to this. Um, Major Fed intrigues me as one of those horses that like you have to use underneath in the exotics, right? We spent 30, we spent 30 seconds talking about a horse in the Kentucky Derby that has a maiden win and two off the board finishes and stakes races leading up to it. Is it possible you're overthinking that one? Wait, it's the Kentucky Derby. Am I overthinking? <laughs> Shocked. Um, hey, I didn't do 20 minutes on South Bend. I could have. The thing we were all expecting to hear all week long, and maybe I'm just not listening to the right places, was Tis the Law's worst race came over this strip. His only bad race right. came over this strip. Granted, that was still early in his two-year-old season. I mean, November, but you know, still early in his two-year-old season. 
um, you know, how much play do you give the angle? Because in any other year, we'd be talking about it big time. How much play do you give horse for course in this? Zero in this instance, because it was run over a sloppy racetrack. That was basically, I mean, it looked, it looked like a flood had hit Churchill Downs that day. So I don't, I don't give that much, I don't give that much credence. Now, would we be giving it credence if it was raining the day before the Kentucky Derby? Would we yes. be giving it credence on the first? Absolutely we would, yeah. but it's not going to be those same conditions. And all of his other races, ironically, all over fast tracks, all have a one next to their name, next to his name, which are all victories. So the, the horse for course angle for me, yes, there are horses who have performed better at Churchill Downs than in his only appearance there. But again, it was early in his three-year-old campaign two-year-old campaign, excuse me, and it was over a sloppy racetrack. So for me, it's a non-factor. Let's switch gears. You know, we talk so much about the first Saturday in September, which at least has some alliteration as much as my lisp hates it. Let's go, let's roll the calendar back a day. Let's talk about the Oaks a little bit. Um, mile and an eighth on the dirt, as I have, have said over and over again, uh, girls, can run in the, uh, girls can run in the derby, boys cannot run in the Oaks. Um, despite Kenny McPeak, pulling one of the greatest uh, pranks on the media and public by the day after declaring Swiss skydiver going to run against her own kind in the Oaks, sending her out to work in her derby saddle cloth. Uh, I love that. Kenny McPeak, one of the best senses of humor uh, of any horseman I've had the pleasure of knowing over my, dear God, I've been in this business a long time career. Um, Swiss skydiver, how much do you think Kenny kicks himself for choosing to run against the girls as opposed to the boys, but then drawing the rail. I, I, I don't think the rail's a factor as much as it normally would be. Again, we talked about field sizes. How many, how many, how many oaks have we seen where there's nine horses in the gate? Yeah. Normally it's an over, normally it's a big field, so there's only nine. She's only got eight rivals. She comes into the race obviously in great form, having won four of her last five stakes races. I thought, ironically, I thought it was the best race she ran was the one, the second place finish behind right. our collector in the bluegrass stakes. That was her best race. Right. She was, you know, she she was she was game all the way. She didn't quit down the stretch. She was well clear of the rest of the field. But again, we mentioned it with those two horses that ran a billion lengths behind our collector earlier. What would Swiss Skydiver be in this derby? Swiss Skydiver would be third, fourth choice at best. Yeah, maybe, I, I would put her score around ten to one going off. She probably would have right. gotten, gotten some, you know, fan sentimental money. She would have gotten some play from Ken McPeak, from, from yeah. Ken McPeak. But she would have been fourth or fifth choice in this race. So I don't think I don't think he kicks himself if she wins the race. I don't think he kicks himself for drawing the rail here. But and and, and I I just need some some syntax you know discrepancies here. Oh, is it gamine? Is it gamine? Is it gamine? What is it? You and I have this conversation about a horse every single year. Um, yeah. And I, I was really actually sorry that Caracaro didn't run because I just wanted to make you say that a whole lot because I still remember the Puka day. From oh that yeah, Oaks. yeah, that was fun. Yeah, <laughs> nothing was better than that. Uh, I would say Gamine personally, but okay. then again, I would say Oaks a... winner. I would say Oaks winner by as much as she wants. Really? You think it's oh, that yeah. open and shut? No, this is this isn't even a horse race. Gamine with Gamine Gaminay, the horse to be named later, whatever. Um, I, I think she wins. She has been to me the most impressive three-year-old, male or female, I've seen this year. She is just wow. outstanding. To me, and I think this is an absolute no-brainer. Um, so who runs underneath I, 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 her? I thought the, I think Swiss Skydiver is the second best horse. I mean, I, the other horse that I thought was kind of intriguing to me was the Brad Cox. She dares the devil. Um, yeah. I, I thought her last couple of races were good, and I know sometimes we we have this tendency maybe to scoff a little bit at races at Indiana Grand, but the race that she ran, her last race at Indiana Grand, the Indiana Oaks was outstanding. I thought. Uh, I thought that I thought she was one that you kind of have to throw in there. The horse that I thought was also really impressive was Speech, the Mike McCarthy train filly, yeah. um, coming off the coming off the win of the Ashland Stakes. I think she's definitely a contender. She didn't get embarrassed by by Swiss Skydiver. Uh, she only got beat a neck behind Gamine or whatever you call her back in May. So uh, I think those are legitimate horses you want to use underneath. She dares a doubles twenty to one. Speech no big shock is five to one in there. So I think she's definitely a contender. Um, the horse that I, I, I would have liked a little bit more had she run better against maybe graded stakes company is a big long shot on the board right now. Uh, the Dallas Stewart Philly tempers rising drawn right next to uh, Swiss skydiver. Yeah. Um, I don't know that she's not, I don't know. She's, I don't know if she's terrible, but her last race was terrible, but 
Uh, but she's definitely a con- – I mean, her last race, but the race before that was fairly terrible. Um, Donna Veloce, uh, the Simon Callahan train filly, 15-1. Uh, to 1. She's drawn in the three post. Um, wire, you know, virtually wire-to-wire wire win last out. She drew off down the stretch at Santa Anita. And, again, here's a horse we haven't seen run since March. And we're talking about her as a legitimate contender in a grade one stakes race. She hasn't run in nearly six months. You know, one other thing, and, and Donna Veloce and, and Thousand Words have the same, a similar problem to me. Um, not necessarily race, not, 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 not race timing, but number of horses that they have faced. They've um, run against. They've run against. You know, you look at Donna Veloce, she ran against six horses last time out. The crazy thing about Thousand Words, He's faced six horses total in his last two right. starts. You know, like right. we talked about with King Guillermo, all of a sudden there's going to be 17 friends in the gate. With Donna Veloce, she's going to have, what, eight other friends in the gate? You know, that's, you know, it's right. not a humongous jump, but also. No, it's not. Off, no, but, it's a, but it's an angle because it's again, there. It, goes back to, it goes back to the angle of how different the Kentucky Derby is to everyone, right? Yeah. It's. You know, except in this instance, of course, with the fans, but most of these horses haven't, a lot of these horses, ironically enough, because one of the handicapping angles that we've always used before is it's for a lot of the horses, it's their first time over Churchill Downs. Well, for a lot of horses now, because of the time element, a lot of these horses have raced at Churchill Downs. It's the first time at this distance. It's the first time against this many horses. It's the yeah. first time with that big a crowd in front of them. Well, take two of those angles off the table now. And again, this is where the over analysis comes from, where you can pull some things back and say, okay, these are not so odd conditions. This is just yeah. another horse race. The Donna Veloci factor, as far as the, the number of horses she's run against in her career, I would argue that it didn't seem to her justify very much that he didn't run against a lot of horses leading up to the Derby. Right. Didn't, seem, didn't seem to hurt her that much. It's crazy. Now, I know that you have done a ton of work, and if memory serves, usually it's color-coded. So tell me who I need to be looking at, what the best race other than the Oaks and or Derby, uh, what are the best horses? What are the best races? Uh, give me just a, a quick rundown on what else we need to be paying attention to at Churchill this weekend. I'll give you two best bets that are not in the Derby or the Oaks. Let's start with Friday in the 10th race, the Ali Sheba Stakes. Really, really good, good horse racing here. Uh, you got a, a legitimate favorite in By My Standards who unfortunately is coming off two consecutive losses. I'm going to chalk it up three consecutive losses. I am not a fan wow. of By My Standards. I threw him out of both of my exacta players in here. I really like Mr. Freeze. I think Mr. Freeze is coming up to a much better effort. This horse had all sorts of traffic trouble coming out of the gate last out in the Met Mile back in July. Uh, I think he's, he's, he's back over a racetrack. He's won multiple races over before. He's a six to one on the morning line, which you know is not going to happen. He's trained by Dale Romans. That's yeah. a six to one is a gift. If you get anything close to that, I, I, I think you're getting a gift there. And the horse that I think is going to run big underneath him is a horse who comes out of a, a dull race in Stephen Foster. That's Owendale drawn uh, in the three post. I think it's a nice, I think it's a really good exacta race there. I like Mr. Freeze over Owendale. Uh, in the 10th race, the Ali Shiva stakes. But look, by my standards, a legitimate favorite, no question about it. But I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts were about his race in the Whitney uh, last time out. He got me two lengths that day. Again, he had some he had some issues coming out of the starting gate. But is it possible that maybe by my standards peaked a little bit earlier this year and maybe now starting to tail off a little bit? I think absolutely. And I, I think, you know, he's a horse. He's one of those great horses who has been able to stay sound and has been and has been trained in a way that has allowed him to have a really beautiful career. And he is one of those horses who, when he's right, he's unbeatable. Um, you know, it, it's one of the one of the things that I've talked about with Honor AP all the way along. Because you look at his record, and he's had some losses. Um, you know, a horse doesn't have to win every single race in order to be phenomenal. And that's a misconception because you know, in any other sport. You know, you're, you know, and, and in racing, you know, you're judged by your wins. You should be. That's how we judge talent. Uh, but it's really cool to have a horse like By My Standards. Uh, I'll throw Whitmore in there in the same vein. You know, these older horses, Mackenzie is one. Um, going back a couple of years, horses like Opportunity also come to mind. You know, horses who show up uh, every time and they run their, ver- their race, whether or not they are phenomenal on that given day, doesn't matter. They show up, they run, they try, and, um, you know, it's what makes, you know, what makes me a fan of, of horses like that. Right. You said you had a best bet for Saturday. Who is it? 
All right, race nine, the Pat Day Mile, the number two horse, Echo Town. His last win was phenomenal. Uh, Steve Asmussen trained Ricky Santana getting back on board. Uh, the last win was exceptional. Uh, has a win at Churchill Downs. That's a horse for course angle that we talked about earlier. Um, seven to two in the morning line. I think he'll go a little bit lower than that. Not a big fan of Cezanne or Cezanne, however you say his name. Uh, not a big fan of him down on the rail. Uh, the horse on the far outside in that race, I believe, is Rushy. Uh, Rushy yeah. ran third behind Art Collector. It didn't get beat 10 billion lengths by Art Collector, but ran a decent third. Obviously, I think this is a much better spot for him. Uh, I like the turn back and distance for him, and he'll be coming from a little bit off the pace. But I really think Echo Town's a, a, a big, big player in Saturday race nine, the Pat Day Mile. I liked it 2-9 in there in uh, race nine on Saturday at Churchill Downs. It's interesting with Rushy that they made the choice. They had the, they had a guaranteed derby spot, and they made the decision right. to go to go into the Pat Day Mile, which you know, I I appreciate when connection. You know, any other year it's a little bit of a different. You know, we wouldn't be having this conversation as much. Um, you know, most times when you're given the derby birth, you know, when you earn the derby birth, you take it. We wouldn't be talking about this in the first Saturday in May. How many connections are using some of these other states races, not the Kentucky Derby or the Oaks, obviously, mm -hmm. but how many connections are actually looking ahead to the Breeders' Cup? Right. How many connections of horses are actually thinking, okay, we've still got XYZ races down the road, which are still at the moment, knocked on this cheap wood at my desk, are, are we're, we're looking ahead to the Breeders' Cup because yeah. we're prepping for that now. So I think that's what the real, I think the reality of the situation with Rushy was, yeah, there's bigger fish to fry down the road. We've got the Breeders' Cup mile coming up later on. We can we can find out if this horse is Breeders' Cup mile, Breeders' Cup's, uh, you know, the seven you know, the, the, the seven furlong races, what have you. We can yeah. look at all these races down the road and think, okay, we're, we're going to prep for this, but this is a much more realistic spot for Rushy than would be the Kentucky Derby, where, again, he'd be a massive long shot. Absolutely. Uh, speaking of the Breeders' Cup, do you think we see, do you think connections-wise, anybody makes the decision, Derby, Preakness, Breeders' Cup, three races in two-ish months? Or is that insane? Oh, yeah. Really? No, no it's, not, it's, it's not insane. I mean, again, everything that we know is off the table. Everything yeah. that we've, everything that we saw in, in 2019 and years prior that did not have the word COVID next to it um, is off the table. So yeah, I think you could see a legitimate case where um, a, a tis the law, for example. I mean, obviously if he wins, he's going to run in the Breakness. Yeah. And if he wins, you know, they're going to go to the Breeders' Cup. That, that's a no-brainer. Um, yeah. It'll be interesting to see, you know, how many connections will actually own up to it, you know, because that's, that's a thing. You know, how many yeah. connections are actually going to say, hey, we made this choice because we're looking ahead to this later on. You know, um, I, I think that's going to be an interesting angle also. But, yeah, I, I think you could see that Derby Derby Day, Preakness Day, Breeders' Cup Day, you know, yeah. where you can see horses come make those three starts in two months. I don't think that's beyond the realm of possibility at all. My question to you will be, will there be fans? Have they made an announcement about the Breeders' Cup with fans? No, Preakness came out this week and no fans. Uh, we have not heard, at least of, at, as far as I'm concerned, as far as I've heard, I have, we, we don't have an answer on Breeders' Cup yet, but I cannot imagine that, that they will would be if I had to put money on it. Remind folks where they can hear you, where they can find you on the socials, because we love you and we want to hear you often. <laughs> right now we are uh, on a brand new radio group uh, in Durango. Uh, Durango, Colorado, about 40 miles north of where I live now in Farmington, New Mexico. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Radio Durango SB. That's Steve Bordstein, in case you didn't get the alliteration there. Uh, radio Durango SB. Um, they have a, a group of radio stations right now. I am uh, the weekends guy doing uh, intro and outro Tom Petty songs, which is odd for me to be doing. Uh, but uh, soon and Rush gonna... at 8 a.m. on a Sunday. And Rush apparently. at 8 a.m., which apparently is not appropriate. I didn't realize that. Uh, but uh, but that's all fun. As we get into the gallop out portion of today's show, I am so glad I got to share this last hour with the fantastic Steve Bordstein. Follow him on Twitter at Radio Durango SB and give his shows a listen. There are fewer folks more fun on the dial. 
Much appreciation, as always, to my tiny production crew and the good folks at the Believe Network for the chance to share this show with y'all. Remember to like and comment and subscribe and share and whatever else you can do from whichever platform you're listening on. If there's something about horse racing you want to know more about, drop us a note at ask at beyondtheracetrack.com or any of our socials, all of which can be found on beyondtheracetrack.com. I am Molly Jo Rosen, and I will see you back here next week as we once again go Beyond the Racetrack. This is going to be a wild ride. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.